When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Spend some time in Mozambique. The sunny sky is aqua blue, and all the couples dancing cheek to cheek. It's very nice to stay a week or two. There's a lot of pretty girls in Mozambique, and plenty time for good romance. And everybody likes to stop and speak to give the special one you seek a chance, or maybe say hello with just a glance. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about Mozambique from the 1976 album Desire is my pal and fellow Bobcat, Mike Jameson. Hi, Mike. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for doing the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, now this is, you You and I did a MASH cast uh, last year, and that was your first ever podcast, is that right? That's correct. This is my second ever. This is your second ever. Okay. So if uh, I don't know, you know, what your feelings about doing podcasts are, because all you have is the experience of talking to me, but you, you should probably branch out, talk to some other people just to get some, you know, some other experiences Uh, under your belt. It can only go down from here. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you saying that. Yes, very much so. Uh, Well, anyway, this is very cool. He said, we happen to just, I don't even remember how we discovered that you were a fan i think maybe i saw you mention on facebook like a dylan lyric and i was like that we'd already done mash cast by that point i think and i was like oh wow we have another you know another sort of uh uh, shared interest and so i talked to you about doing the show and you have some interesting stories about how you uh and your family interrelate with with bob dylan songs we'll get to that uh, in a moment but of course since this is your first appearance on this show uh, i need to ask you like how did you become a fan I wish I had like a very cool origin story, but I think that I became a fan of Dylan actually through the traveling Wilburys. I like, same started, thing as me, yeah. Yeah, I started to wake up to music in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, you know, started to realize who the Beatles were, who Bob Dylan was, and I Tom Petty was one of the first people that I really, really got into when I started. When I had disposable income and could go and buy cassettes. Yes, if there's anybody under. The age of 30 um, <laughs> wikipedia look up look up on wikipedia what cassettes are um uh and so i i like tom petty and that led me to the travel and Wilburys. and you know i mean i had heard of bob dylan and i knew i knew of bob sure dylan sure through the traveling Wilburys. and then when you get into the beatles and even at that age i got into you know grunge and everything like that so that i that with that early 90s was kind of like when rock was kind of like coming back into fashion again after you know, hair metal and stuff like that. And <laughs> right. Led Zeppelin got big again. It was like the box set of Led Zeppelin. So, you know, getting into the Beatles and all that kind of stuff, it just led me down the path of discovering all of, uh, the older acts. I say that now and I'm talking about grunge music and, you know, that was 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, getting into the classic rock acts. I don't even want to listen to classic rock now because it's stuff that is on when I was in high school. So, you know, uh, and that led me to Dylan and I, I didn't, um, I know how you always talk about there's like so much mm-hmm. that you could, and that's very true, but I didn't do it in a linear fashion. I think I started with, I think I probably started with Greatest Hits, like Greatest Hits Volume 1, uh, which, you know, everybody knows those songs. And yeah, then, it's a solid place to start. That's what, yeah. that's what those albums are for. Yep. And then from there, 
uh, kind of like tried out, you know, like Highway 61 and bringing it all back home and then moved into Blonde on Blonde. I mean, I, in all honesty, we're talking about Mozambique and it's from Desire. I didn't really get into Desire, the Desire album until probably about three to four years ago, like really listen to it and get into it. I knew songs from it, but I didn't really get into it until about three or four years ago. So I am a fan of Dylan. I am not the expert that you are and that some other people have been on here. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is still stuff now that I'm discovering. So it's still, that's cool that he had, you know, there's so much, as you always say that I'm still discovering stuff. So, you know, it's awesome. <laughs> have you had a chance to see him live? Is that something you'd be interested in? I actually have seen him live. Oh, you have? Okay. Live once. <laughs> and I feel bad because there's some guests on the show who are like, oh, I've seen him like 20 times and <laughs> all these different – I've seen him once. And I saw him at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. And I think this was – I feel bad because there was, again, not some epic story. I think this was 2001. It was either 2001 or 2002. And the Spectrum is not a place to see Bob Dylan. No, it's a it's a for people who don't know, don't live in this area. Yeah. That, that's I, I've seen a lot of yes. shows at the Spectrum. It's a it's a it's a sports arena. I mean, yep. it, you know, it's it not even there anymore. <laughs> no, it's right. It's not even there anymore. But it, I mean, for for decades, it was yep. you know hockey and and things like that. Yep. So I would love to see, and I I do not have any any memories that stand out of the concert i it, as as we just both said i mean it's not a place to see an artist like bob dylan you know so i don't have any anything that stands out i would love to see him again in a smaller venue and get to experience that hopefully i will someday hopefully there'll be concerts again someday as we're recording this in the yeah, pandemic yeah. but uh yeah i would like to see him again in a much more intimate setting to get the uh required effect of Dylan. Do you have I don't mean to put you on the spot. Do you happen to remember the date of when you saw him? Cuz I saw I saw one of those shows in in the Spectrum in November of 2001 in in 2001. It that is probably when it was cuz now that you're saying November, I knew it was 2001 or early 2002, but now that you're saying November, so it was one of those shows. It was it was about November of 2001. Okay, because I know he did several nights at the Spectrum, so I didn't. I, I didn't go to everyone. I saw the show November seventeenth, two thousand one, and then I uh, well, I actually went and saw him again in Madison Square Garden two nights later. But the one in the Spectrum was November seventeenth, two thousand one. So I wonder if we were there at the same time. We could have been. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> So well, that's that's if very we knew then, Rob. If only we knew. If only then, yeah. If only I'd known what a podcast was back in <laughs> yeah. two thousand, I would have been a, would have been really ahead of the curve on that one. So, well, very cool. So, uh, Mozambique. Um, I am curious as to why you picked this song. It's not that it's not a great song, and we'll get into the the, the, the you know the the qualities of it in a moment. But, like, but why why this one? Of course, and again, as I said, with all the turmoil and everything going on with the world right now, you would think you would pick. One of the world-shattering, you know, message songs that Bob Dylan has, but I'm picking Mozambique. And the reason why is, you know why? As you said, it's a trifle. It's a Bob Dylan trifle. But even a Bob Dylan trifle is an amazing song. True. <laughs> and it's also, as you kind of alluded to in the beginning, it's a song that now that I am a parent, uh, I get to share with my kids. There is nothing better than to listen to not only an eight-year-old, but a five-year-old sing the lyrics of Mozambique oh. and the lyrics to most of the Desire album that, <laughs> is that I listen to uh, in the car a lot with them. Hopefully not Hurricane. As you're driving, I do listen to Hurricane. I make sure to put the volume down at the certain time. There you go. Uh, good job. 
And I also, when they are in trouble or they're punished, I make them sit in a room and listen to Joey (laughs) for a half hour straight. I know you sit there for nine minutes and think about what you did. Don't tell parent services. I know that I could probably be thrown in jail for that, but, but no, so that is also, I, it's a great song. I love it. Uh, and I also get to share it with my children. So that's, I mean, that's something I wanted to talk about. Not only sharing Dylan with my kids, but, uh, well with other family members, but we'll get to that as we, as we, okay. Excellent. I, I, the, I am, I am completely charmed with the idea of hearing an eight and five year old sing Mozambique. That just cracks me up to, to no end, but I'm glad you mentioned about like the simplicity of the song. Yes. I think with Bob Dylan, there is the natural um, inclination to look for th- more things than are always than are than are necessarily there, because of course, with generally most Bob Dylan songs, there is a lot there. There's more than one layer, but I would argue that for Mozambique, uh, and I quoted the first two verses, and then there's only two more after that. It goes mm-hmm. on. He says, "Lying next to her by the ocean, reaching out and touching her hand, whispering a secret emotion, magic in a magical land." And when it's time for leaving Mozambique to say goodbye to sand and sea, you turn around and take a final peek and you see so you see why it's so unique to be among the lovely people living free upon the beach of sunny Mozambique. Uh, you know, I mean, it, you, you listen to this and when you the first couple of t- first of all, it's it's immediately one of the more catchy songs on the record yep. uh, because it is so simple. And, of course, contrasting to. Uh, Isis, which it which is uh, pre- immediately precedes it, and then one more cup of coffee, which immediately follows it. They're both much longer, more involved songs, and this thing sticks out. And you're like, you immediately kind of think, well, what, you know, what what is this about? Is there something to this I'm missing? And then it's taken me many years to really come to the conclusion that no, I don't think so. I think if anything, this this song is poised on the record in a very specific spot. Not that the other songs are not. But I think it's this is the light relief of the record. Uh, after the heaviness of Hurricane and, and and ISIS, you have this nice kind of just warm little ditty about uh, spending time in an idyllic location with a lover, with, with someone who means a lot to you. And I think that's kind of what it is. And in a lot of ways... It, it Yes, he's mentioning Mozambique, and of course Mozambique had just earned its independence from Portugal like less than a year yep. uh, before he had recorded the song and it got released. So, I mean, there is the line about lo- lovely people living free. Uh, but I mean, in, in my mind, it's Mo- it's not it's not about Mozambique. It's about a place. It could be any place, you know. I mean, of course, like anybody can transpose this to whatever setting they want, and that's what it's about. Whether it's you know, it, it can be uh, Cal- Los Angeles or Paris or Ocean City or you know any location. Yeah. That's what it's about, and that's what makes it so lovely that it is so simple and direct. Yeah, and it's I, just the way it starts with the the, the strumming of the guitar. I mean, it kind of like it almost feels like it, it. You, it almost feels like you're introduced to the song almost like mid song, mm-hmm. and, and of course, it's the '70s also, so it has to have. Of course, there's a killer violin solo. That's another right. thing. My my kids get to watch me air violin when I'm at a uh, <laughs> at a red light. Um, <laughs> there's just something about Scarlett Rivera. I, I love that. Just the whole story of just seeing her walking down the street and being like, you know, walking around with a, uh, now who knows if it's true, but you know, walking around with a, it's an amazing like, story. Hey, yeah. You want to come and play? And then I'm sure you watched, uh, uh, the Netflix, the Scorsese, uh, documentary. Oh, I mean, sure. Of course. Yeah. The Rolling Thunder she, review. Yeah. Yeah. She is just a, she's like that seventies dream girl on June. <laughs> but playing playing the violin i mean come on (laughs) 
but you know, I mean, it's got that great, it's got the Emmylou Harris backing vocals, which I think add so much. And it's just, I mean, it's something, it's like you said, it doesn't have any kind of deep meaning. It's just a cool Dylan jam song that's very light on its feet. And it's, I mean, it's a fun song to listen to, to sing along to. Uh, and, you know, that's not always, you know, as you said, there's a lot of heavy and long and dark, deep songs on that album. So this is just a breath of fresh air in the middle of, again, in the middle of like two songs that are a lot more dark and foreboding. So, yeah. This always, this, this song has always felt to me a little like the flip side to literally in, in the vinyls case of, of Sarah, which is of course closes out the record because on, in Sarah, he talks about being on the beach with his wife and his kids, and you know, they're playing in the, they're playing, running into the water, their buckets to fill. I mean, it's hard not to imagine. Well, is he talking about them being on, being in Mozambique? Uh, you know, and another thing about this record that I always find, I mean, Dylan records for the most part are, as I've said a thousand times already, like most of his songs seem to exist in this kind of indeterminate reality. They mm-hmm. seem to be kind of the past, but maybe not. There seems to be cowboys or horses in, in an era where there maybe really wouldn't be. And I think he likes that. And this record, I think in particular, is definitely a world traveler record. Yes. I mean, th- this song is so steeped in the locations of any given song. I mean, you've got the, the you know Patterson, New Jersey for for Hurricane, and then you've got the the weird kind of almost uh you know edgar rice burroughs weird robert you know conan kind of you know land of isis mm-hmm. uh and then you've got mozambique and one more cup of coffee with its sort of middle eastern sound and then he goes back to new jersey uh and new york with with joey sarah he's talking about locations romance in durango black diamond bay it's an island i mean this this album is you could really make like a a, a like a go around the world kind of with desire if you wanted to it has it has that level of a, of a feel to it, kind of a world music feel to it and so that i like the appeal of that i mean again it's it, it, one of the the critiques i've seen of this song and uh there's um a lot of critics actually were, were sort of nice about it and then and then you've got um clinton halen who has uh, written a lot of books on on dylan and i've written i've read a lot of his books and he calls the song ghastly and the <laughs> the weakest song on desire which is oh. insane i mean come on that's no. that's just nuts clinton what are you talking no. about but i mean again it's like to me it, it is again i think it's like when you expect so much out of a bob dylan song and then it it's it's something that's not that you immediately think of it as something less than and that's not always the case sometimes it could just be something so sweet and i know i'm kind of repeating myself a little bit but i mean that's what i like about it is that it is so short it is so simple and yet that's what i like it's just a happy song and you don't get a lot of kind of purely happy bob dylan songs yeah maybe clinton had gotten an advanced acetate without joey on it so he, he has, <laughs> uh although it is funny that uh i mean dylan did write this with jock he wrote jock levy yeah, yeah yeah so it's hard to say. It's a very short song, so I don't know how much they worked together to write it. But there is stories that say they both they picked uh, Mozambique just because they both wanted to see how many rhymes they could come up with uh, ending in eek <laughs> while they were doing the song. So there's that. But that's a very I could that's a very Dylan thing to do. I could just mm-hmm. imagine them being like, ah, you know, <laughs> let's just see how many rhyme, words we can rhyme with this. Come on. But yeah, I mean, as I said, I mean, it is not something that. When, you know, they do when Scorsese decides to make another five part documentary, he's not going to spend a lot of time talking about Mozambique, even if he's talking about the making of Desire. But it's just a fun, 
you know, lighthearted, breezy song. And again, like I said, there's not many Dylan songs you can roll down the window and kind of like, and I said, like I said, air guitar too while you're driving around in the summer, but, or I'm sorry, air violin too, but this one you definitely can. Yeah, and even in the, the final verse, it even has that touch of melancholy that everybody goes through when they go to vacation and then they're packing up to leaving. There's always that real exquisite sadness, especially if you've had like a really nice vacation and you don't want to go back. And so I like I like the, the the refrain there of when it's time for leaving Mozambique to say goodbye to sand and sea and you turn around and take a final peek. And I just love that 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 mm-hmm. visual of like you do sometimes do that when you, you know, get ready to leave this place and you just have that kind of like huh. You know, you're just like, oh, all right, I guess I'm going to go back to my my regular life. If you're lucky, that's your feeling, because obviously if you have a lousy vacation, you can't wait to get back. But I've been fortunate enough to have enough nice vacations where I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't. okay, yeah, I don't really. Why am I going back to New Jersey? Why why am I doing that again? You know, like the last the last vacation that, 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 that Kelly and I, my girlfriend and Kelly and I took was we went to Florida and it was, uh, you know, like in the 80s. And then we got back, and the first day we got back to New Jersey, it was cold and raining in, like, 42. And we're like, what? what? Why are we? All right. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I, as much as this is a happy song, I like that he, him and Jacques Levy throw that in. And I love Dylan's vocal. It's very warm. Yes. It's, it's got very kind of generous sounding. I mean, it's not like uh, when he's singing Isis, it's got this very clipped kind of manner to it and we and we covered that uh that song on the show i did a, a while back with uh omar Uden, where we talked about where he's got that you know the, the that stabbing piano in that song so it's kind of like an aggressive song and certainly hurricane is very aggressive mm-hmm. but then you get this and it's just kind of you know loping and you just as you said you can sort of do the air violin and sing along to it as with the window down and i mean obviously uh columbia records saw some potential in it because it was released as a single. Most of the songs that we talk about on Bob Dylan don't, aren't singles because Bob Dylan isn't really typically a singles artist. Uh, Hurricane was the first single off the record. And then this came out and it didn't do that well. I think it peaked at like number th- 54 on the Billboard Hot 100. But again, Bob yes. Dylan's never been a big singles artist. But then it did appear on the compilation album Masterpieces, which was a three CD set only sold in, I believe, Europe and Japan. Um, I spent, uh, I think, $35 buying that damn set just so I could get the <laughs> one song I didn't own, which was Rita Mae. Uh, but, but, I mean, to me, that's very interesting that it was chosen to be on Masterpieces when no one would consider this particularly representative of Bob Dylan's output, which makes me think somebody along the line, whether it was Bob or producer Don DeVito or Jack Levy or somebody with some influence, obviously liked it enough to to, to put it on a three-CD set. Oh, you know that Bob probably – did it just to screw with people and we're putting, we're putting those MV on, on here. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. In terms of it playing live, he only played it live 17 times and in a very brief window, basically from January 22nd, 1976 to May 25th, 1976, which are some of the concerts he was doing as benefits for uh, Reuben uh, Hurricane Carter. So this is a song that he obviously was comfortable doing as part of the Rolling Thunder review. And then once the Rolling Thunder review was put away this song was similarly put away i mean it has ne- it has not been played for 45 years so this song <laughs> I, th- this has got to be one of those songs that you're like well you know that would be really great if bob whipped this one out out of anywhere but it seems highly unlikely it will ever happen but of course i would have said that about when i paint my masterpiece and i just saw that live a couple of months ago so <laughs> you never know 
Yeah, I'm sure Bob's listening to this right now. So I'm you sure know he is. next time that he's in the area. He's not touring. He's got nothing else to do. So I'm sure he's yeah. listening to this podcast. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I mean, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So I, I got to hear this about how you introduced your, your kids and your, your family to this song or Bob Dylan in general. Because I just, again, when you told me that your kids sing along to this, I just, I'm so charmed by that. Well, and I'm going to start non-linearly, which Bob would probably like, which is I was telling my kids at dinner tonight that I was doing this. <laughs> and my my son said to me, what song are you doing? And I said, Mozambique. And they both then started singing <laughs> Mozambique <It's> wonderful. <laughs> without me helping them. So that, you know, it's a very proud parent moment. But to go back, this is even before I had children. Now, I used to work as a manager at Suncoast Video. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I remember that. Yeah. Years, 20 years ago, and my cousin, who I grew up next door to, I, one of, I have a brother and I have three cousins who I grew up two doors away from in southwest Philadelphia. And so she's like my, she was like my little sister. She was the youngest out of all of, all of us. So she worked part-time with me uh, and would drive the, to the – it was at the King, in the King of Prussia Mall. You probably know where the King of Prussia sure, Mall is. Sure, sure. The millions and millions of other people listening to this don't, but it's a mall in Pennsylvania. It's a huge mall in Pennsylvania. So we used to drive. I used to drive her when uh, she would work and we would listen to Bob Dylan. I introduced her to Bob Dylan. You know, she was a teenager. She didn't, she liked Backstreet Boys and stuff. She did not want to listen to Bob Dylan. <laughs> we, <laughs> we would listen to highway 61 every, every uh, afternoon or night we were driving up or driving home from work. Uh, she and I would listen to that and we would sing every song. <laughs> she actually came to the concert with me. Wow. And, in 2001, uh, when we went, and she still, she and I still talk about it now. I mean, I think with her, I listened to Highway 61, and I think I listened to Blood on the Tracks, and I think that was really it. And, and greatest hits, she knows, but still, like she's, I still, I tell my kids, I would tell her, Aunt, I would tell them, Aunt Rita likes the song, especially the song Highway 61. That was like her favorite song. So I would tell them, Aunt, this is like Aunt, they call her Aunt Roro. This is Aunt Roro's favorite song. <laughs> um, so it started from back then. Now with my kids. I think I'd started with my son first because he was a little bit older. So I always try to sneak these things in. I started, you know, with the Beatles. I have XM, Sirius XM radio. So I would start with the Beatles, introducing them to that because I, I never wanted to have to get stuck listening to Disney radio or what a kid's bop or something like that. <laughs> well, I did not want to have to deal with that as I drove around with my children. So I was always like, oh, well, listen to the Beatles. This is always good to introduce the kids to. So they became huge Beatles fans. And then I gradually started – uh, mixing in some Bob Dylan. Now we would hear <laughs> on the radio "Lay Lady Lay" a lot, and my wife always says that he sounds like Chewbacca when he's singing that song. <laughs> <laughs> Which my kids, because I'm also a huge Star Wars fan, right, so right, that my son thought was hilarious, and he try, he actually does Chewbacca when he sings "Lay Lady Lay." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so then I I as I said I only got into desire big time i mean i knew the songs and i had listened to it but i for three or four years ago i had gotten into it a lot and had bought it and downloaded it onto my phone and then i was in the car and i was you know as you know you go through phases with dylan so yeah i had certain albums on my phone and then i'll switch them out that i want to listen to and i was like oh, i want to listen to desire again and i would just play it while i had them in the car and at first you know my son was like oh he asked like who is this because again Lay Lady Lay Dylan and Desire Dylan <laughs> sound a lot different sing, singing-wise. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 
I explained to him who it was. And at first, I could tell they were like, he was like, it, it, it's okay. I mean, he felt the same way when I, <laughs> I introduced him to Jesus Christ Superstar, the 70s album. Wow. <laughs> I, playing that for well, my dad and introduced my brother and I when we were kids. So I felt I had to, you know, carry the tradition on. But anyway, so I, you know, and after a while, I would just hear in the background these soft, especially my daughter, who's five and has like a soft voice singing along to the lyrics of all the all the songs on Desire. So I would kind of like look back and say, hey, do you guys, you guys are all right listening to this? And they'd be like, oh, yeah. Until it got to the point where I'd get in the car in the morning to drop them off at school. And my son would say, can you play ISIS? for us can you put that isis song on for us and i'm like yeah sure <laughs> that's amazing and then i when the rolling thunder uh, documentary came out i bought the bootleg series that corresponds with the rolling thunder concerts and started playing that for them so they enjoyed that also i mean my son as you were saying he hasn't when he listens to isis he has about a million questions about why are there tunes in this and then why are they riding around in horses and where is this supposed to take place and i'm like it's, it's Dylan. It's almost like those like, are all the, those are all the same questions I asked on yes. the episode. Like, it's Dylan, son. I don't know when you get old. I want to say when you get older, you're almost you'll understand, but you really won't. No, you won't. No, it's not going to get any better, son. No. <laughs> so now you know we have the Alexa in the house, and there are some Saturday mornings where my son comes down to the breakfast table, and I pour him some cereal, and he or I make him a pancake, and he says, "Alexa, play Bob Dylan." Oh my, ugh. And my dreams have come true. That is amazing. And he is into my kind of music and he enjoys Star Wars and comic books. He's actually probably upstairs in his room right now uh, reading uh, Lonely Place of Dying trade paperback from the late 80s that I had in my office. (laughs) So, yes, I'm very happy. I'm trying to raise my son correctly, meaning raise him as a geek much like myself. <laughs> you, you are on the path, man. I mean, that is, that is remarkable. That's, that's just beautiful. Again, I just, you, you mentioned to me uh, before that your son, your eight year old son has, has an interest in doing this show. And I yeah. would, I would love to, that would be fascinating to me to talk to an eight year old about Bob Dill. I honestly was going to say to him do you, tonight, do you want to come and do it? And then I was, he is very outgoing. My son is not shy. So you would probably have been talking to him more than to me, but I told him that I would talk to you, and if we can come up with like another song from that album, or just another song that he likes, that uh, he can eventually come on and do it. Because I made him listen to the Mashcast one, even though I have not gotten him in the Mash yet. That's next. Okay. And with, right. this, with this going on, you know, we might be able to sit and watch all eleven seasons eventually. Yeah, you got a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I that is one thing I haven't. He knows what it is, but he hasn't gotten into it yet. But, um, yeah, so I told him that uh, I would talk to you and that we would uh, try to come up with a time that he'd come on and uh, talk about a, a Dylan song on the podcast. I want him to be the first of it, first kid on the block to uh, be a podcast guest. Absolutely. <laughs> we will absolutely do that. I am saying that on the air right now. We will absolutely right. do that. That's fantastic. We'll tell him tomorrow morning when I, uh, before I leave for work. I'll tell very him. cool. Be oh, very... man. <laughs> he will be very, very excited. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's, that's just awesome. That is, that is just so heartwarming. And that just, again, I just, I love that whole idea. That's just really sweet. And I said, this is just such a great, sweet song. I mean, really, it's just so simple. I was listening to it a bunch of times in, in lead up to this. Not that I needed to do a whole lot of prep for this, but I mean, it was just, it's just a fun, really nice song. And of course, in an era that we're going through right this moment where nobody can go out of their house, 
uh, or even communicate really much with anybody in person. It's it's nice to think of the times where you could just be on a beach and enjoy you know time with with a loved one or something like that. So it's a, and we'll get back to that at some point. But but uh, yeah, it, it's sort of longingly thinking about those times now. So yeah, it's it's a great song. And so uh, thank you so much for doing this, Mike. I really appreciate the, this chance to talk to you in a in a completely different context. No, it was great for me. And, you know, while we're all stuck inside, everybody put on Mozambique or one of the other songs from Desire and just air violin along with Scarlett Rivera. And it'll make you feel a lot better and hopefully forget about what's going on in the world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I know that you're on uh, Twitter. So why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter if they want to communicate with you? Uh, I, I think, I think my handle is this lightsaber kills fascists or something like that. <laughs> Which I love, by the way. I, I specifically asked you to, to ask you that question so you could say that because I love that handle. <laughs> I know a lot of people like change their stuff all the time. I never do. And I'm pretty sure that's what I have it as. So yes, look me up as this lightsaber kills fascists. That's it's the one with Calvin and Hobbes as the, uh, as the pictures. So. One of the great Twitter handles of all time. Thank this you. lightsaber Thank kills you. fascists. It's fantastic. <laughs> so you got, you got a little Dylan in there. Got a little Star Wars in there. Woody Guthrie in there. It's perfect. So uh, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was fun to talk about this this night. So we've covered a lot of songs off of Desire. We're, we're, we're quickly closing in on uh, Joey um, at some point. But uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. I don't Save that for save that for the next uh, the next plague that happens. Hopefully, like twenty years from now. Oh Lord! Oh God! So uh, <laughs> so anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Of course, if you want to follow the show, you can go to the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show over on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. We're always talking to Dylan on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And finally, if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, of which Pod Dylan is a part, please go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you're going to lock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big, big special thanks to Robert Ward and another donator, Pledger, who will remain masked and anonymous for their support of Pod Dylan. I really do appreciate it. It really helps keep this show on the air. So thank you so much for that. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you later. Bye. I like to spend some time in Mozambique The sunny sky is aqua blue And all the couples dancing cheek to cheek It's very nice to stay a week or two And maybe fall in love just me and you Special one.